Welcome to Strata. I'm Glenn. And I'm Brandon. Welcome to the Minds on Muscle podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another live edition of the Minds on Muscle podcast. It's the one-year anniversary. A little bit over, but that's okay. We're celebrating it anyways. We're in the vein. Brandon, happy one-year of podcasting. Happy one-year of podcasting. It's kind of insane to think with how this year has gone, how fast one year of podcasting has gone by. There's a few things that Glenn and I have learned and experienced over the last year in the vein of talking about having a podcast. And we thought that would be pretty beneficial to kind of go over some of these things, our experience, and share some revelations that might be able to help you in your journey of starting a podcast or live stream. I really wish we could do what they do in 100th episodes of TV shows where they show all the past clips from all the other episodes and all these fun moments. I never cared for those episodes, but now that we are closing in on our 70th episode, I would have really liked to have done one of those. Well, we will do something special for the 100th episode for sure, but hopefully you and I don't have to edit all that stuff to make it happen, so it would be a little bit nuts. Yes, absolutely. Which I think brings us to our first learning. Uh, and at least for me, I'll, I mean, I'll just kick this thing off the editing process, uh, and having a schedule for it. I found that having a schedule to get this podcast up off the ground, um, and having a set time that I'm going to do it and know exactly what I'm going to do has really made it easy to make sure that this thing is executed every week. Brandon and I record together and then right after the episodes, I go home, I've got the episode uploaded to the cloud by the time I get there. And then right away I spend an hour, I've got it down to a T, editing everything, exporting it to all the necessary platforms. And then from there, scheduling everything as we need to, including our Instagram posts and whatnot too. So it's great to be able to get all this done in literally two hours and then never have to think about it again. I think that's one of the biggest things. Like if you're going to start a podcast or some sort of marketing entertainment side of your business, I think one of the most important things is making sure that you have an established routine that you consistently honor. Because one of the things, I mean, openly, everyone is starting a podcast in the 21st century. In fact, if you go on YouTube, you look up starting a podcast, there are hundreds of videos of people telling you what gear to buy, how to have a podcast. Like it's expansive how many people are saying, you should have a podcast. And it's because it's super easy to do nowadays. You don't even need anything fancy. You just need a small microphone. You load it up, plug it in. But I think that the real thing that gives this the legs, like the Minds on Muscle podcast, another podcast, the legs to continue moving forward is really that schedule. And if you're not someone like Joe Rogan who has an incredible amount of time and you can just put people in for three hours at a time, you have to honor your schedule because all of us, we're busy trainers. Yeah. And so for Glenn and I, if you're talking about time being the most valuable thing that we have, it's not really a commodity. It's a real specialty thing. If you think about it, that we have this one thing that we can't fight. If you honor one hour of time each week for your schedule and you make sure you put it in there and then another hour for editing, marketing, however you're going to use it, you make sure it gets done. And that was one of the things when we first started, like editing aside for a second, I want to come back to that because that's a really important one. When we first started, I remember with Glenn, the first thing we talked about is, okay, we got to anchor this in the schedule just like our study groups and just like X, Y, and Z, because the number of people I know, and I'm sure that you know, and maybe your own experience too, and I don't want to speak for you, having a podcast and then having it kind of just disappear, or I'll do another episode next week, or ah, I'll get back to it, or I don't have a guest lined up, or I don't have anything important to say this week, and then it just kind of gets pushed aside. The real consistency in the routine is super important. Like, it's just super critical in my opinion. Yeah, the, the routine makes it manageable. And that kind of brings me to I guess, my second point, which is 
if it's not manageable, it's not going to get done. And that's actually one of the things that Curtis Clay brought up when you did the Fit Pro minicast with him, which was figure out what you can do and then make sure you can replicate it week after week, day after day. And that's how you're going to grow a sustainable business. If we had bitten off more than we could chew, and we tried to do this for five or six hours a week, it just wouldn't get done. And it would be inconsistent, and then we'd eventually stop doing it. In fact, I'm pretty sure the reason why most people stop doing most things, even if they're good, is because it's unmanageable. Oh, yeah, for sure. This was my, I guess, third or fourth podcast that I tried to launch off the ground. And the longest one that I've ever done, I think, Sam and I got to maybe close to 100 episodes of doing the, not the Minds on Muscle, this is Minds on Muscle, Movies and Muscles podcast, but we would just chug caffeine and talk about movies and, and muscles. Oh, those were the days. Um, but that one started to peter off because it became unmanageable in Sam's schedule. And that made it harder for us to get together. And then eventually we decided to not do it anymore. The other um, podcast that I did was something called the Beanstalk and I did it with these two other girls that I knew we were really big into growth and whatnot and those two other those two girls in their own particular fields one was in does voiceover work and music and the other one is very big in the marketing world like very very big we tried to do a podcast and they were spending for their episodes that were maybe five or 10 minutes long, they were spending 30 or 40 minutes doing prep work. And after two or three months, it became really apparent to them like, oh, like I can't keep doing this along with the other stuff that I'm doing in my day job. It's just so unmanageable. For me, I was really just picking topics that I knew really, really well, made two or three bullet points, and then I'd spurt it off in eight minutes. Like at most, it took me maybe 10 or 15 minutes to do my two or three pieces that I had to do for the week. So like less than an hour. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing something and it's unmanageable in your schedule or it's taking way too much planning, you don't have some sort of process to alleviate that, you're going to get yourself in a hot water, which is why doing the interviews or doing what we do, which is just speaking to things that we know really, really well, makes it super simple to execute. Yeah, you said two important things out there that I think I, I really want to touch on. And you talked about working with some people that were like big, big planners and a good friend of mine. And one of my clients is a big voice actor, similar to the people you were talking about. And he encouraged me like two years ago to start doing a podcast for the business. And he would just talk about like, Hey, you know, this information so well, just get out there and do it. He said, but the number one thing you have to do, I don't want to come back to this, but we'll get back away from it is make sure that you anchor it in your schedule. And it's consistent only because people build a rapport with that. And even though right now we only have one or two people chiming in live is that people kind of get used to seeing you and it becomes this fixture and they trust you and they know that no matter what your content's going to be there. And then that's how you build a real big reputation for your specific business. So we don't need to have a massive podcast. So there's about really honoring people's time by being consistent with that, which is amazing. And then second, which I would really echo that if you're going to start a podcast, one of my favorite things about this that happened from my sales meetings and being an instructor, but got further echoed by doing this stuff would be getting better at communicating. And for me, I like to think of personally, just my narrative of how I talk about teaching specific, getting better at teaching topics is I'd love to take a word like force or marketing or 
target audience, whatever it is. And I can take that one word and I can write it down on a piece of paper as a talking point for a presentation. And that one word can become a filing cabinet of different files of things and different stories and exercises and, and academic conversations to really help open things up. The podcast really helped to dial that in even more so because now we've done 70, 70 hours, if you will, of, uh, of episode content outside of other projects we've got going on where we're talking to people. And it helps me, it helps Glenn become a better storyteller. I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I mean, when we first started doing video recording stuff here and we were working on getting you better at communicating, you were great and very confident, which a lot of people struggle with, but your conciseness over expansiveness that I would say that everybody struggles with. This isn't a Glennism or a Brandonism. It's everybody struggles. Everyone wants to talk a lot. I was terrible. Yeah, I was terrible. <laughs> you're not terrible. I terrible. Was. But it's I'm not tough. now. And so when you take an idea of whatever it is you're talking about, like how do you say the least amount of important information to help convey an idea? And that's what I love about this is that if you have a 35 minute podcast, you can riff a long time about one thing and people will get lost. But if you can actually take one piece make it concise, and then if someone messages in the, in the chat or Glenn has a question about it and we're talking about it or whatever it is, we can open it up and go longer and longer about it. And so this is one of the reasons for the Fitness Pro Mentors, which by the way, if you're interested in learning more about how you can blow up your business and get two to three X clients and even get to 10K months with a consistent routine, gotta check out Fitness Pro Mentors. We got amazing students that are getting awesome progress. I got a post where someone's getting three clients a week using our systems, it's amazing. But in that program, we talk about optimizing communication and doubling down on marketing strategy and doing, you know, instead of as Greg Mack says, measuring 15 times and cutting once, what I would suggest you do is cut once, but get 15 things from it. And I think it's absolutely fantastic. And that's what we try to do here is that everything we do turns into multiple pieces of content. And that's where I think doing an episode, doing something like this turns into so much more. I hope people are hearing the multiple pieces of content thing. Cause I think we bring that up. If not every episode, every other episode we're talking about, try to double down and make your content work for you as much as you can. Something else that I find that works really, really well for the podcast um, that I've noticed over the different ones that I've done is it's actually so much more enjoyable when you have someone that you do it with. And not only do you share the burden of some of the work, but you help fill in each other's, I mean, everything, like uh, each other's strengths and weaknesses, your mannerisms can complement each other. It's more enjoyable, I find, when there's a dialogue between two people than when there's a dialogue of one person talking to themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can absolutely do a podcast on your own where you're interviewing other people, but it can get, I'll be honest, I think the word that comes to my mind is lonely. It gets lonely when I just do it by myself. However, I begin to look forward to it every week because... Brandon and I are friends and it's enjoyable to do the podcast with him because it's time we get to spend together versus me just interviewing people or Brandon just interviewing people. And once in a while, don't get me wrong, we split off, we do our own things and Brandon does interviews for people and then I upload them here or I will do interviews. I haven't done any interviews, but the point I'm trying to get- We got is some cool stuff lined up when we reopen involving Glenn, which we're really excited about. The, the point I'm getting at is this is actually a lot more enjoyable with a friend and you split the burden as well, yeah. which is, I mean, you, you, I mean, there are things that you're going to have to do in your business that you might not love doing. You might not love going over your numbers or your finances. I'm projecting right now, right? I don't love doing that kind of stuff. I don't like going over numbers. You might just love the training person and being with people thing, which is fine. You still got to do the stuff that you don't want to do, but you might find a way to make it more digestible. 
What I found was doing the podcast on my own was not very enjoyable, but the hour I spend a week doing it with Brandon makes this whole process very, very fun. I absolutely love it. And I wanted to speak to one thing there because, you know, it's, it's been very interesting, but I'm really excited about where this podcast and this, and this platform is growing because it started off with Glenn and I doing these honored times. And so it's evolved because initially, as we said in one of the previous episodes, this was really a strata internal performance endeavor. And it was very much like this interesting, hey, I got an idea. We've got some academic stuff we love to talk about. We've got some you know, casual client-related things I like to talk about. Let's start a podcast. And so, I mean, openly, I was very open with Glenn that I didn't think that that was the, and I, it was my idea. I didn't know which direction it was going to go. Were we going to go more clients or more professional development? Because you can't do both, right? Because you speak to both, you speak to, you market to everybody, you get nobody. And so one of the things that I'll kind of like just tangent for a second, I've become this, I hate how Ontario's handled everything with COVID-19, but reflecting, you know, satellite view, I'm eternally grateful for what COVID-19 has brought to me, us, this business, my family, and now the new business that you guys are exploring, Fitness Pro Mentors. Like, I'm really happy that, I'm not happy that COVID-19 happened, but I'm happy the adaptations from COVID-19 has happened. Because if it weren't for COVID-19, this podcast wouldn't be here. Not for COVID-19, Fitness Pro Mentors would not be here. Not for COVID-19, my family and I wouldn't have the same relationship because I was working crazy hours with clients. I mean, all these things wouldn't have happened. And so because of COVID, we've got this podcast, which created an opportunity for us to try something new, which is going really, really well. Now, what I'm really excited about, like kind of foreshadowing, I'm the huge fan of this idea of dividing and conquering together. You know, it's the super silly thing, but that little dentist, Hermie, the dentist character from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, mm. he's like, I want to be independent. And Rudolph's like, I want to be independent. He goes, why don't we be independent together? And I absolutely love that because that's how what's kind of happening here is that Minds on Muscle is Glenn and I. And as a part of my marketing endeavor for fitness pro mentors, I started interviewing people, which is a part of the program. I talk about borrowing authority from local professionals and other professionals. And for me, Tom Purvis and Greg Mack and Charlie McMillan and Jock and people that are friends of mine that I'm really connected. Oh my God, I wouldn't be learning. You guys rock. Thanks so much for checking this out. If someone's just chiming in, I love it. All these people that are friends of mine, I absolutely love. And it's great because I get to interview them in a casual setting. I learn more about their origin. I learn more about their background. But by just interviewing them alone, the two of us, it helps to elevate the platform of Fitness Pro Mentors. Soon as we get to reopen, Glenn's going to start doing the same thing with York Region local professionals for Strata and for Minds on Muscle. And how cool is that going to be? Because what we get to do and what you're going to get to do is interview chiropractors, athletic therapists, massage therapists, other trainers local in Newmarket to find out their origin story, but how they use exercise. And then suddenly this podcast now is this three-pronged sword where we have interviews for fitness pro mentors. We have educational content for Glenn and I with Minds on Muscle. And then you get educational information from professionals outside of our realm that use exercise and how that relates. And I'm super excited because that's really the evolution of this thing. And that's where I think for all of you, pardon me for ranting here, but I'm excited about this. If you're thinking about having a podcast, just start. You're not going to get magical results from it, but it's an amazing thing that you have a lot of options that you get to flourish from. I love it. Something I think that you said, but you didn't actually say, 
was being adaptable. Because I think that that is one of the key things that you've done really well and I've done well over the course of the pandemic here, which is adapt to what we've been given. I know more than a handful of trainers that have either sat around and played video games or done nothing or have just complained and whined about not being able to work with clients the way they want to. Don't get me wrong. I was a part of that as well. Like I was really, really frustrated. I still do get frustrated that I can't work with the people that I want to see right now, right? If they're vaccinated, I'm vaccinated. I would like to be able to work with them and help them, right? But life was always going to be throwing you curveballs, things that you cannot um, necessarily deal with, or you might just have to accept. You might have to just surrender like this is the way things are. And if you can adapt to them, you're golden. In fact, I would almost argue and say that the more adaptable that you are, the bit of an extra professional you're going to be because as you go along your path and your career, you're going to get people who give you more unique and harder problems. I started off working with athletes. Now, athletes, you just don't break. Athletes, you just let them kind of do their thing. You don't really make them better, to be honest. You just try not to break them or hurt them, right? That's kind of what you do with athletes. As we, you and I both progressed in our careers, we started getting people with like multiple hip surgeries, right? I know you've had people with multiple hip surgeries. I have had a client where they've had eight different hip surgeries, osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, and like they really can't move or do much. And if I wasn't adaptable and I didn't have the tools to pivot every session, I wouldn't have been able to work with them and help them improve their quality of life right? So same thing right now, it comes down to your marketing and your podcast. And the more adaptable you are, the better content you're going to be able to create and the better you're going to move forward in your career. Yeah, no, it's absolutely amazing. And there's a quote that I wrote up here that I'd love to read. And it's something that ironically, I posted on Facebook in 2012. And it just popped up while I was preparing for this podcast. It said, the real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscape, but having new eyes. And I love that because everything that we're doing right now, all the gear that we use, all of the information that we share, it's not new, right? I had this camera before for marketing stuff. Some of this sound gear is new, but we had microphones. Uh, the information that Glenn and I talk about, I talked about this business stuff with the staff all the time. The anatomy stuff we talked about is a part of courses and study groups, and it's just what we do on our day-to-day. -day. So, it wasn't really like that we needed to, you know, completely jump and start a whole new endeavor. It was just taking the stuff that we already had and shifting it and repackaging it and presenting it in a different way, which turned into this really cool minds on muscle thing, which I'm really, really excited about. And this is where if there's a lesson that I've learned a couple, but one that I've learned in the last year of doing this episode is you have more at your disposal than you think. And you can absolutely adapt and pivot. And that's one thing I, we, Glenn and I were talking here the other day. And it's, I'm really excited with all the stuff that's come from COVID. Like, I hate it. I hate that we've had to do it. But at the same time, we've adapted and pivoted. And I know that I'll outwork this terrible thing. And I know Glenn will too. And it's turned into this really amazing one-year endeavor of a podcast, which regardless of the success of this thing, like the podcast doesn't bring us any money. It just brings some really cool education to you guys and keeps us consistent and gives us great marketing material. There's not too many people who can say that they've been doing a podcast for one year consistently at the same time. And I'm really excited and honored for that. There's a book called Tribes by, it's Tribes, I think it's by, by Sebastian Junger. Am I correct on that one? Tribes? I think it's called Tribes. I think Seth Godin's got a book called Tribes, but I think maybe Sebastian Junger's got a book called Tribes. I forget what the book is called. I know the man's name is Sebastian Junger. And he has 
this really interesting chapter about World War II. And he interviewed a whole bunch of people um, and got a hold of a whole bunch of research and studies about people who experienced World War II. And what they actually say is when they look back is that World War II was actually some of the best days of their life. And they say that because the pressure of having to take care of each other, of having to deal with bombs blowing up the cities, of having to deal with this outside power that's imposing them on themselves, that togetherness really brought the best out in them. But it was that pressure that brought them together. Mm -hmm. And I think this is going to be one of those times where we're going to look back and be like, wow, COVID sucked because we had to adapt. We had to try all these different things. We learned all these different lessons, but we're going to look back and be like, wow, I grew a whole bunch. Like, I really think I'll look back at this year, uh, the past year and a half and be like, this was one of the best years of my life, even though it was so challenging because it is the most challenging times to bring out the best of us and help us grow. I remember, and this is going to sound like such a paltry um, a comparison, but I remember being down and down and uh, down and out on my luck and I really didn't have a lot of clients and I couldn't afford my living accommodation so I left and I moved in with a friend at a very very low rate and I absolutely hated I shouldn't say hated that's a really strong word I really much disliked and was distraught by the living situation of living with her and her daughter for six or seven months they would argue with each other every evening and yell. I felt like I was being treated more like a family member who was asked to pick up the daughter from school all the time and cook dinner and this, that, and the other. I just wanted to be a, a roommate. And I really didn't like that situation, but I learned a lot of patience. I learned to adapt. I learned to stand my ground. And after I left that living situation and I went to go live on my own again, I looked back and I reflected and I said, wow, this was actually a great learning experience. Like I was so happy and grateful I had that experience, even though I disliked it at the time, I was so happy and grateful for it because I learned so much from it. And I think that's kind of what we're going to all get, especially if you're watching. Like if you're watching this right now, you're the kind of person that wants to grow and learn and better yourself. And I think you're probably going to feel the same way, right? People that are going to look back at COVID and talk about how much it sucked are the people that are at home playing video games or watching movies all day and Netflix and wallowing in self-pity. So anyways, I'll just stop there. I've said my piece, but I think you and I, and a whole bunch of people who watch this are going to look back and reflect and be like, you know what? It sucked, but I learned so much in that time. You know, I couldn't agree more. The thing, I've kind of come to this weird revelation in that I'm excited and okay if I fail at the thing that I'm about to do next. And that sounds so weird, but right before, I mean, Fitness Pro Mentors, I'm going, as you can tell, pretty hard promoting it because I'm excited for the opportunity to see you all succeed. People are getting amazing results, and I'm excited for Glenn and I and Taylor and whomever else becomes a part of the program professionally to help you. But before like committing to putting myself out there as this online fitness business person, I kind of sat with myself and was like, you know what, if I, if I fail, quote unquote, I won't fail. I maybe won't meet my objectives as fast as I want. It might not be the way that I want to, but no matter what, I'm going to outwork this and I'm going to make sure that I hit the level, hit a level and hit some level of success with this thing because it's bigger than me. It's about helping other people. And I think that that's a fun thing because if you get comfortable with the idea that, hey, no matter what, I'm going to make this happen. No matter what, I'm going to succeed. No matter what, I'm going to make it rain. 
I think it's really a beautiful and very powerful thing because as Brad Thorpe once told me, and I, he doesn't know who told him this, but failing forward, right? You try something, doesn't work out. You step to the side, you go around. If you fail 50% of the time, that's okay. But coming back to your World War II analogy, uh, there's a great one um, from a podcast, and you'll remember the guy's name. I'm just terrible with names, the Lululemon guy. Chip Wilson. Chip Wilson. And he talked about that these airplanes in World War II would come back from battle, and they would be riddled with bullet holes all over them. And they all looked at the planes and go, wow, that's insane. But in reality, when you look at that airplane that made it back, and it had hundreds of bullet holes all over it, but it made it back... That airplane is beat up and destroyed. But what you really need to do is you need to realize that the spots that didn't have bullet holes are probably where the other planes got hit and went down. And so when you try something new, like a podcast, like a live stream, like a new business, reaching out to clients, uh, borrowing authority from chiropractors in your town to try and build your marketing, actually having marketing systems, whatever it is, things will work and things won't work. And the things that work, you need to double down on. And the things that don't work, you can learn from them and either pivot and adjust. And so reflecting on this podcast and reflecting on all the things that happened over the last year, I guess it's becoming like a COVID-19 slash podcast <laughs> episode. It's really like I would say, go for it. Recognize that openly, in my opinion, you might blow chunks when you first start, and that's okay. But it's looking at going, okay, what was great and what wasn't great? What can I change and how can I evolve? And you'll just keep moving forward because there's only room to move forward. We're all on the same timeline. It's just how hard are you going to push to get to the other end? Yeah, Chip Wilson also said in that same interview, because I think we listened uh, to the same podcast. Um, he also said that he expects to fail half the time. Like he's like, if I'm not failing half the time, I'm probably not striving or setting big enough goals for myself. And I, I, and I mean, your relationship to failure, it's funny, because I think a relationship to failure is what separates probably most successful people or people who feel they are successful from unsuccessful people. Because I think, I think I fail all the time, to be honest with you. But when I look back, I don't really think that I failed at something. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't look back at my life and be like, oh, my life's a big failure. I failed at all these things yesterday, da 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 I just look at back at what I learned, and that's kind of like my brain on autopilot. Like, it just, I don't know if I grew up that way, or if I conditioned myself that way, or if I was naturally born this way, but I don't ever really look back and beat myself up for not, for not executing something the way I, I thought I could have, or for stopping or giving up on something. I'm just, oh, it's just, it didn't work out. Yeah, I think failure is absolutely a mindset thing for sure. Because I think, I mean, there's so, so many people that I've spoken to who are afraid of the outcome of something, therefore they don't do the thing. And I think that's a big bummer. I think it really slows people down from reaching their level of success and, and reaching new places. Because success isn't a straight line. I mean, I don't want to get motivational speaker here because I'm not a big fan of that kind of stuff. But it's if you know where you want to be, and you know where you are, you know you have to get to that side of the table. And you're not gonna go completely straight. You're gonna have to like, okay, this didn't work, I'm gonna go this way, and then this way, and then this way. And there might be more efficient paths to get to the other end of the table, or it might take a bunch of bounces. But it's that journey, I mean, this is sounds super philosophical, but it is that journey that's super powerful. And that's where, openly, I'm really grateful for doing this podcast, and why I think everyone should try to set something up like this in their schedule um, as an exercise. I think it's a brilliant, personal and professional development tool. It just occurred to me that if you're always hung up on your failures, that you're going to end up putting your own constraints on what you can and can't do. And you put up enough constraints in your life, you've got nowhere to move. 
right? So if you're always looking at failure, it's like, oh, that didn't work. I can never do that again. Or I've got to avoid this. It's almost like being in a relationship with either friends or a loved one, family, or your spouse and thinking like, oh, saying this upsets them. I can't say that anymore. Put that constraint up. Mm -hmm. Oh, I said this that bothers up. Put that constraint up. Oh, I can't. And you should put up so many different constraints that you can't move anywhere in the relationship. And it's the same thing with your relationship to yourself and your business that if you keep putting up constraints about what you can and can't do, you're always going to be limited on how far you can move, right? But seeing everything is just a lesson learned never really puts those constraints up. It just kind of gives you more of an ability to pivot when you recognize the situation coming the next time. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, no, lateral to that, I would say I was just thinking like when you brought that up that when when Ontario locked down and restricted our business, mm -hmm. I would say that professionally that was the most emotional, turbulent time for me ever, personally, um, because for the first time in my 16 year, close to 16 year professional career as an entrepreneur, I would say, it was the first time that I felt like the opportunity for failure was gonna be out of my hands. Like it was mm -hmm. like I had zero, I couldn't outwork it. I couldn't put the time in. I was unsure of what the landscape was going to be like and no one politically would answer my calls. And so that really like, that was the first time that if, you know, talking about IR from Greg Mack stuff that I really had like an IR issue with this business. Um, because no matter what, if I've got some autonomy to make things happen, I'm good. Like I'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll move forward. But that was the first time. And that really beat me up. It took me a couple months to get my head on my shoulders because I had all these projects in which Glenn was a part of and fitness pro well, fitness pro mentors was something else at that time. And there was all these things that were like literally launching at the beginning of 2020 strata was 15% up from the year before in those first two months, like things were like going and then we got smacked and it was really tough. But that was, you know, it took a month or two to rally first time in my life that I really had to do that. And then now, now we're here. Now we got this. Now we got this cool table with all this gear that's helping us orchestrate cool sounds and share information and perspective with you guys and fitness pro mentors and cool shirts and fitness pro nomads. What? Like there's all this cool stuff coming out that I'm really excited about. Um, and so anyway, I'm just kind of reflecting back on that. I was going to say, and then we pulled the trigger and created a podcast. Um, everything's so much better and th and that kind of speaks to something else that you've actually put in the show notes here um getting away from maybe the less esoteric stuff is how much better of an improviser you become when you do stuff like this on the fly when the camera's on you mm -hmm. and you are live and you know that no matter what someone's watching right now on the other end we see you watching us right now and you have to be able to improvise and pivot on the spot. Now, you know I'm a big fan of improv. Before I moved back up to East Gwillenbury here, I was doing improv classes down in Toronto. I'm a big fan. It's a lot of fun, even for just, if you want to enjoy yourself and do something totally out of your comfort zone, take improv classes. If you uh, want to become a better business person and better in your sales consultations and better with your clients, take improv. Because what you get from doing stuff that's live like this or for or things where other people are relying on you in the moment and and the, it's not necessarily maybe the cost of making mistakes is higher, but there's more of a, a self-imposed risk, if you will. You learn how to pivot in the moment better. You learn how to collect yourself. You learn how to stay focused. You learn how to correct your mistakes in the moment. There's so much great um, um, stuff and skills and techniques that come when you have to improvise on the spot. Even in this conversation, we have a direction that you and I are both trying to go, which is how, what do we share with people that we've learned about doing podcasting for the past year? What things do we want to riff off that we have in our show notes? What's going to come naturally? And how do we all of a sudden together improvise this 
right? So, I mean, I love the improvisation piece. I don't know what you want to add to Oh, that. no, I would 100% agree. I think, I mean, I did improv classes in high school and as a part of some of the instructor training I did with both Tom Purvis and Greg Mack, there was elements of improvisation because you have to be able to improvise. Like the, the truth is that the information that's in your head for who you're working with, whether you are working with exercise professionals or your clients, um, the information and the knowledge you have should be, I mean, almost automatic and you should be able to improvise to whomever you're speaking with to bounce from one side to the other. I mean, thinking back, I used to, when I would tutor people one-on-one -on -one for business stuff, I would urge people to try to create a presentation whether it be for personal trainers or for their clients and create a program and teach it, get in front of people and teach it because teaching in a big space with multiple people is really like the, the top level improvisation when you need to not only entertain, but you also need to write edutainment as a friend of mine says in uh, named Jared Falk from BC, where you need to educate and entertain at the same time. And that's a really tough thing. I reflect back when you bring that up to the first RTS course I taught, Tom Purvis, if you ever ask him, hey, how do you know someone's ready to teach? Well, you're not. <laughs> you're never, never really are. You're just ready to honor the information, but you're never really ready to be an instructor. And so I taught this course called The Missing Link, which is a four-hour course. It's a small business course that RTS was presenting uh, 10 years ago. Dang, getting old. And uh, it was 100% not PowerPoint. There was no guidance. You literally put pieces of paper up on the wall with big titles like who, goal, what, do, know, very simple words that had very simple direction. And the entire four hours was an improvised course based off what the people in the class said. Hey, Glenn, what do you do? And Glenn would say, I'm a motivator. I'm a good listener. I provide great results. And we put that up there. And then I had to have discourse improvising. And the first class I had had 25 people in it. Talk about trial by fire. <laughs> and it was insane, but it was an incredible improvisation exercise. And it mean, now reflecting back on that, I, I don't really get stage fright in front of people. Like if I'm going to teach exercise pro ed or do a presentation in front of 10, 20, uh, last group I did, it's been a while, but um, 150 people at a school. I mean, I'm not really perturbed by that as long as I got the information because I know that I can handle whatever's thrown at me. And so that all comes from improvising, getting yourself and practicing. And I... Often. I, sorry, I cut you off there. I really think, and I really do believe this, that I think anyone can become a good public speaker. There are a select few that are just going to be amazing. It's going to come naturally. They have to work less hard at it. But I really do believe that everyone can become a better public speaker. I think a lot of people have some sort of learned or innate fear about being out in front of groups of people, the fear of failing and looking a certain way in front of either your peers or people with authority that you hold in high esteem. Mm -hmm. Most people are so involved with their own stuff on the inside that they're going to forget you ever made a mistake. Like, and, and second, people like to know that you're human. Like, there are times in a podcast where Brad and I stumble over words or maybe we're looking off somewhere, or, but we're not like perfectly looking at the camera the entire time talking like robots. People want to know you're human. People do business with people they know like and trust and people know like and trust other people who are flawed and they know they're flawed and that comes out so i think anyone can become a great speaker i highly recommend improv taking like improv classes even just like the ones for fun where you learn how to do things like on whose line is it anyways or was it actress take those are the classes that i took i love that i had an absolute blast you make a lot of friends and when you're on that kind of stage you really learn how to just be around other people right? 
when we do things like this, a lot of the improvisation we're doing is constantly in front of a camera or in front of our clients. It's always in a very professional setting. I'm a big believer in soft skills, skills that you can take other places and work on in other capacities. And I really think improv is one of those things where if you get good at improv, like the comedy kind of improv, where you're creating scenes with people, that's going to transfer to your business. That's going to transfer into tough conversations with family members or spouses or clients. It's going to transfer into like, we just meet someone random on the street, like just being able to talk to them and like let your personality shine. Like it goes a really long way. I don't think they should be called soft skills. And I know that that's what they are, but I know what you mean. They really are pivotal skills in my Mm. opinion, because I, I mean, I've said this in our, in the fitness pro mentorship and I'll say it here, your ability to communicate and improvise that communication and take an idea and be creative with the delivery, I think is one of the most powerful things that you can do in your life because people suck at communication in the 21st century. Everyone's text messaging. Everyone's trying to escape conversation. The art of, I mean, if you go to a UK pub where people sit down and grab a glass of whiskey or a beer and they just chat with people, people don't do that anymore. That idea of nattering. And so you getting better at that stuff, um, the art and science of communication is one of the most powerful things you should do. I think it should be a pivotal skill. And it really, that's why when we talk about the five pillars of personal training and the fitness pro mentorship, I mean, that's where business and communication are two fifths of the pie because you got it. If you can't communicate, I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how great you are. If you can't convey that information, you're going to be, you're going to be stuck. And that's where openly this digital platform is a very simple way to commit to studying and practicing communication if you don't want to do an improv class. But the thing I love about improv classes, in my opinion, it's not going to make you a great, funny person. I think that's what everyone expects. It makes you fearless or less scared. Less scared because if you go up and you say some stupid, terrible joke and you're just like, ah, I'm just going to throw it out there and you just do it, it's fine. I mean, it's about getting it out there and throwing it out there. And that's what ends up happening with this stuff. And then over time, you can refine it. Well, I disagree because I think I'm a very funny person because of it. <laughs> hilarious, hilarious, hilarious. And so I would say there's one last thing for me. And then I think we should move on to some kind of fun, random other stuff is that with this whole podcasting thing, um, the technology side of things has been something that's been a real cool exploration, a real fun exploration um, because all these different pieces of tech, like yesterday I talked about two things that I invest in. One is relationships and then two is speed. When I talk about speed, I like to, I talk about the tech and it's not that you need expensive technology, but each tool, much like a carpenter with multiple hammers will just help you reach your goal faster and decrease the headaches in between things. And when Glenn talks about his workflow of editing it, a big part of that's because we've got 1080p video, we've got high quality sound. We can just take all this, put it into one software, cut it up and it's good to go. When I do course modules, Glenn and I, Glenn helped me last week record a 10 piece sales conversation, communication, sales process video that took entirely involving editing and downloading and recording two hours, an hour of recording, half hour of editing. Cause we did such a fine job of doing it because we're good at communicating. And then I just chopped it up and downloaded it. And it's all up in our course module pack, which is fantastic. So all that stuff's important. So I'd say as you're getting into this, consider the tech, not necessary, but it's a cool thing. And it was all improv too. All improv too. It was all improv. So Brandon, anything you want to close out before we get to our favorite segment? I would urge everyone here, everyone that I have ever talked to who has taken RTS, MAT, MSS, something smart, spends tons of hours focusing on all the granular science stuff. You need to get good at that stuff. It's important. It will make a huge difference in your career if you get better at it. However, you need to do business sets and reps. And I think, in my opinion, 
podcasting, live streaming, and doing what we're doing now is one of the easiest, funnest ways to commit to studying. So I would urge you, for your target audience, start this freaking thing. Just do it. Get out there, make it rain. You know what? I'm going to mirror that real quick for my final point, which is even if you're a new uh, exercise professional or new to the industry and you're learning some stuff, what a great way to learn to prepare for a podcast that you want to deliver over 20, 30, 40 minutes an hour, whatever you're going to do. Study that information, get to know it, and then regurgitate it. Or, and put your own little spin on it, because that's what this is, a podcast. In podcasting, you're putting your spin on everything. What a great way to learn. What a fantastic, great way to learn. I think it's fun and easy. I mean, it's not easy, but it's fun. And it's simple, and it makes it a lot easier. So it kind of lowers the bar so you can do some cool stuff. But I think this might be a good time to transition to pick of the week. Okay, I guess that's my cue to go for <laughs> pick of the week. Um, my pick of the week is going to be and it's going to sound a little bizarre, but when we get into it, it's going to be um, a lower carb diet, higher protein diet. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I am one of those people who has a bit of a hard time focusing. And I have another person that I work with who is a business coach slash, I guess, psychotherapist. He's a medical doctor. He used to be a medical doctor, one of the head ones for Toronto General. And he wasn't loving it. But now he found his real passion, which is helping people uh, grow their businesses and help manage the way they think in their mind flow or their mindset. And I happened to upon him actually through someone that's in one of the members of our uh, Fitness Pro Mentors program and is also one of my long time friends and we've been talking about my ability to pay attention because I have a very hard time sometimes paying attention and staying on task and staying focused and one of the things that we've been working on is maybe changing my diet because I've got it in my head that if I want to add muscle to my body I've got to be crushing carbs after my workouts crushing carbs in the evening crushing carbs around the clock because it's very hypertrophic it's got a very um uh positive net protein synthesis effect is going to make me high huge. The trade-off though, and I've kind of known this, but it, it took a, 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 an appointment with him to really hash it out, which is that after I eat carbohydrates, I feel sluggish. Maybe not right away, but 10 or 20 minutes later, I get real tired. Even if I'm not really tired or I feel decent or pretty good, I still have a hard time focusing. My mind bounces between tasks. I've got to edit this. Okay, now I've got to go respond to these emails. Oh, I've got these people for the Facebook group. I got to interact with them. Oh, I go take the dog, go to use the bathroom. I come back and I keep kind of juggle through all these tasks sometimes. And so what I've been working on for the past couple of weeks is actually really lowering the amount of carbohydrates I have. I don't really eat breakfast. I'm not a huge breakfast person to begin with, but for lunch, I've been having more of like some meat and some nuts and some vegetables. And in the evening time, I will also have pretty much the same thing. And I've got a couple lower carb treats that I like to have. I've got some Quest bars. I've got some different Quest nutrition. I've got some pork rinds, which I've become a huge fan of. Have you ever had pork rinds before? I don't think so, no. Delicious, probably not the healthiest, but delicious. But what I'm trying to get at is I've noticed that my ability to focus has been a lot better. The ups and downs of my energy has really come to more of an even keel. I still get tired sometimes in the afternoon because cool. of that circadian rhythm, but I'm really, really enjoying um, the focus that I have. And like everything in life, it's a trade-off. I don't get to enjoy the mouthfeel of food as much, but Fridays and Saturday evenings, I still let myself have some nice, delicious things that I like. And then by the time it's Sunday afternoon, we're all back to the healthy eating again. So can't stress enough. Sometimes attention things happen. If you're having a hard time paying attention, you're having a hard time focusing, honestly consult with a professional. Let them help you figure out how to stay focused because 
if you're going to engage and have a very successful business, you have to be able to focus when you are working on your business. And if you're trying to do a million different things, you can't focus, you're only gonna get so far. So I'm not uh, a medical professional. I am not a nutritionist. I am not a dietitian. I'm just sharing with everyone here what has worked well for me. And if you're having a hard time focusing, consult a professional. Maybe you actually have ADHD, or maybe you could be changing some, some things in your life that's gonna help you move forward. I've said my piece, my pick of the week, low carbohydrate diets. <laughs> Very cool. Not a bad thing to try at all. Not a bad thing at all. I'm so, going to pick high carb diets. No, oh. no, no, no. Um, openly, my pick of the week okay. is the Kabuki Cadillac bar. And I'm really excited because if you look back in our queue of episodes, we talked about the big three and how we were rethinking the big three, right? Because everyone does barbell deadlifts, barbell squats, barbell bench press. And I think they're all fine movements, but I think there are some forced mechanics of each one of those movements that are just irrational. Um, looking at it from a joint mechanics perspective. And then we talked about the squat assist bar and the prime trap bar, and then using some form of Swiss bar that has better grip options. So the one that I've been eyeing for a long time, and I was waiting to see if any other competitors came out for about a year, I finally invested one for the facility, is the Cadillac bar, which is awesome. It's got this really nice concave shape, which helps to lower the center of mass of the resistance so you don't get the wobble at the wrists. It's got different degree angles of your wrists when you're doing your pressing motions. Your wrist joint positions, the actual joints, are in a better position for pressing, and it doesn't force any weird mechanical stuff on your shoulder. It is remarkable how much more challenging it is when you're, you can actually feel way more chest muscles and anterior shoulder muscles with less grimy sensations. I love it. And I don't know if I'll barbell bench press really ever again, because it just seems like a smarter way to press, uh, especially for chest pressing. Shoulder pressing is a bit weird because it's a weird shape, but I highly recommend if you're looking for some sort of free weight pressing option to check out the Kabuki Cadillac bar. It's awesome. Curtis Clay is getting one. We were talking about it. I think it's a really powerful, cool tool. I love tools. I love that we have so many different machines. We actually have a podcast on machines for barbells, which is really great. If you want to go back in the uh, catalog of our episodes and check them out, we talk extensively about it. In fact, I know a lot of people here are here for the business growth content, but if you are a relatively newer exercise professional or you just want a refresher, we do actually have a lot of great content at the beginning of our podcast episodes like 1 through 40, which are all about different things like orthotics or barbells versus machines. We have all these different, uh, what is exercise? All these different podcasts. So even if you want to grow your uh, knowledge base for yourself or your clients, also great resource as well. Awesome, everybody. And listen, as always, I got some cool promotions going on for the Fitness Pro Mentor Marketing Program. Our students are getting some amazing results, really excited about the whole process. So if you're interested in taking your business to the next level and you really want to try to aim to hit those 10K months faster, consistently scale your business, think about hiring people, you got to join this program. I promise you there's nothing else like it for in-person personal training. So please reach out to myself, Glenn, or Taylor. Let's chat. We got some cool stuff, and I'd love to throw something, a special offer out there just because you're watching the Minds on Muscle podcast. So thanks so much, everybody. We will see you again next week. Please, if you like this episode, give us a thumbs up, five-star rating, share it with some friends. But we will be back next week with uh, another fun episode. This was a fun one, too. Thanks, Glenn. We'll see you next week.